It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This is Bonus Benson. This segment is officially completely off the rails. What are you talking about? Stuff we wish never aired. You know, I'm the talent. Right, of course. Except I'm the talent. Come on, man. The Guy Benson Show. Andy McCarthy back with you on the Guy Benson Show in the home stretch. I guess this is now the home stretch of the home stretch. Um, but uh, it's uh, it's been delightful to be here and do this today. Uh, most of the time I work by myself, uh, which is what the writer's lot is, and I'm kind of my own boss, so I'm totally disorganized. So today I have the benefit of having a boss in Christine who's kept me completely <laughs> organized and who's now going to tell me how we how we uh, make it to the home stretch, to well, the I wire. Just, I just want to say first and foremost, thank you so much, Andy. It has been, I've been working with you since I started my career here in 2005 on the John Gibson days where he would say, oh, oh call up Andy McCarthy, get Andy on the phone. And so it's, <laughs> you have been, you're such a great guest to book and uh-huh. you're just so nice and I was very excited when you agreed to do this. So that's, thank that's, you. That's so nice of you to say. Although now I understand from working with John, you would think that I was nice. I get, I totally. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I've had a few. John's of, a sweetheart, by the way. Yeah. I, oh, I, yeah. I, he's like family to me still. But um, so I don't, this is what a segment we call, we do a lighter story. Usually I like to think of this as the segment where guy, no matter what I say, what I do, uh, just makes fun of me. It just it inevitably I am wrong and he is right and well, that's how we have to end so it. You have a much better shot today because when guy calls me, it's never lighthearted. Like he he wants to talk about like what what is about to explode? Who's about to get indicted? Is it a murder or a terrorist attack? So. Um, you got a better shot today. I know. Well, it, it is funny. Maybe next time, you know, today is National Margarita Day. He's never asked me to call you for that, to, to see if you enjoy a, a margarita or two or three, or in my case, four or five he, on a Saturday. He, well, yeah, he might enjoy our segments if I enjoyed a margarita or two or three. Um. Well, this 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 topic is pretty interesting. I, I brought it to you, and I said, wow, we definitely could talk about this. I know you have, how many children do you have? I have two children who are uh, pretty far apart. In age, I have an, my older guy is in his mid thirties in Houston, and my younger guy is in uh, college in Illinois. So uh, there's about sixteen years between them. So we almost feel like we grew up as as a as a nuclear family in a multi generational family. And when I was both younger and older, we had other generations of the family living with us. So I have I actually have. Um, uh, a lot of experience with what this story is about, which is the that it's becoming more common after bottoming out. And I guess they say the, the 1980s, um, it, we're now having an upswing in the generations living together as a family unit. And while most people think of that as, especially um, nowadays when under Obamacare, I think adults are 26, right, or, or children are 26. Um, so most people think of that as the um, you know the the kid who won't move out who's down in the in the basement. But this is actually the the swing here is that you have more 
parents who are moving in with their adult children. Yes, and it's funny because I, you know, the Wall Street Journal has this article out and they're talking about one family that actually did it, that brought their parents in to their home and they have children. And to me, I, it's a little sad. We, I, My husband and I just sold our house. We capitalized on the market and uh, we're in an apartment right now and we will buy again. And I just assumed, because my mother's 77, Oh, no, sorry, Mom, 76. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, easy, easy. Whoops. Easy. Yep. And my mom, we call her Judgy Joyce. She's very judgmental, and that would be a <laughs> problem if she heard that. But we just assumed that she was going to move in with our family because uh, she's a widow. My father, unfortunately, passed away uh, a while ago. And boy, oh, boy, was I wrong because I think, which she kind of caught on to me, I have a nine-year-old. She goes, I know why you want me to move in. You want me to be your nanny. She goes, and guess what? I raised my kids, and I'm not falling for that. And she said, no way. <laughs> well, so the, I, I don't even want to try this with my mom, who uh, is uh, in her 80s and uh, still in the Bronx, and I think would probably chase me with a broom if I showed up with my suitcase. She said, you know, quite enough of that. And I think if she ever left the Bronx, they would have to close the Bronx. So I, I, I just... Um, I, I don't see that happening. Much as I love her and would, would uh, love to have her, I would have to. And, you know, they say you can't go home again. You would have to go back. Yeah. And this is the Bronx. So, if it was, you know, a lot of our a lot of our performances here and appearances here at uh, at Fox involve uh, a lot of primping, which in some parts of New York is fine. In the parts of the Bronx where I grew up, with it, it probably wouldn't go over as much. So I, I just don't, I don't think I can go back there. Now, what about, okay. you said you have a son in his 30s. Would it be, would you and your wife ever say, okay, we're closing shop around here and we're just going to pack up and move in and be with his family? Oh, you said my wife is coming too? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, God. Um, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know if we can, we can do that. Um, I, I actually, you know, look, I, I think, um, I, I, you know, I think part of this is also, how you feel about the part of the country. Like when I was a, when I was a young guy, when I was in, in my mid to late thirties, as, as my older son is, uh, is heading into, um, I just wanted to be a lawyer. Uh, and I was a, a prosecutor in New York. New York was the place to be. It was the best place in the world to be. He's a musician. And, you know, I really think that by the time he was, you know, getting to be 30 and then past 30, there's a lot of places in the country now that are better to be in New York, more affordable, more livable, uh, especially, you know, modern New York where, you know, the trend lines are bad. Um, it, it just seems to me there's, there's better places uh, for a young guy that age. When When I was that age, New York was the place for me to be with what I wanted to do. I don't think, I don't think, so with him, I think he's, Houston's a much better move for him. I, I, I mean, New York is, I grew up in New Jersey. So, and what we do in this business, New York is the place to be as well. So, yeah. you know, there was no way I was ever uh, leaving here. But um, Dan, you are a musician. I'm a musician as well. I'm in my mid-30s too. Um, so I always thought about Nashville was a great landing spot yeah. for that. Um, Austin, Texas was always a good one. You know, there are, you know, I live in New York now, like I was telling you earlier, and it is expensive. I mean, when I'm trying to start a family, I'm, you know, looking possibly for a ring for my, for yeah, my girlfriend, you right, know, right. 
things are um, things are expensive. But yeah, I mean, I love it here in New York. But so I think I'll I think I'll stay for a while. But yeah, there are other kind of cool places uh, in your 30s and 20s you can go to. Yeah, I was skeptical about for for a musician. I was skeptical about Houston, but I think it's been a great move for him. And there, you know, you know better than I do. The the, the scene in New York for young musicians is much better than it is in a lot of places. Very much so. Yeah. But it's still, it's, it's a tough life in terms of making ends meet. And New York is not making it easy for anyone to make ends meet anymore. No, it's true. But I'm, I mean, I love it. I love walking around here and being around in New York city and coming into the Fox offices and, you know, well, Dan, let me ask you something. You said you're, you're about to be looking for a ring. Now, when you propose in the proposal, (laughs) could you say, and guess what, honey, my parents are moving in. Oh my goodness. (laughs) That'd be a deal breaker. Yeah. No, I'd, I'd bifurcate that one. If I (laughs) (laughs) get her, get her, uh, get her on the hook first. Uh, well, they're waving at me. So, uh, as much fun as this has been, uh, I guess I I need to sign off. This has been Andy McCarthy. It's been uh, a delight to be here. It's really been a pleasure. Guy will be back tomorrow, so all will be well. Uh, and thank you for sharing your afternoon with us. Home stretch on this Thursday. Guy Benson show in New York today, tomorrow, and Monday. Doing some TV while I'm here, including over the weekend. Much more to share on that front. Tomorrow, GuyBensonShow.com is our website. Podcast is free on demand when the show is over every day. I will admit, I had a bit of a scary moment earlier today. So, got in yesterday, took the train up to New York this morning, and unsurprisingly, our plan, our game plan for this home stretch today was Curious Christine. She wanted to hear all about the trip to Jordan. She had questions about camels and deserts and everything and we'll get to those maybe tomorrow but that was the plan for today i was eager to answer her many questions but then something happened and that became the home stretch i was not sure if i was going to make it to the air because in between our show planning meeting and coming on the air i had a window of time i thought to myself okay i've got about half an hour here let me walk two blocks over to my hotel and drop my bags. I called them. They said, yep, you can come check in early. I'll drop my stuff in the room. That will be efficient, and my bags will be there instead of having the luggage here in the studio, which I do somewhat regularly. But I had this period of time. About an hour, actually, is what I had. And so I went in. Hello, hello. Good to see you. Here's your room key. Walked over to the elevators. Hit the button for my floor. And my brain was going 100 miles an hour of all the things I needed to do today and tomorrow. There's just a lot going on, especially when you come back from a trip. You've just got a punch list. So I'm thinking about everything but the possibility of getting stuck in an elevator. And yet, we just had, and by we, I mean it was just me. I was alone in this elevator, not a big elevator. We were starting to ascend maybe one second, and then there was this jolt, and it kind of bounced a little bit. There was no sound. There was no light flickering. Just something was wrong, right? You can tell I've been in so many elevators countless times in my life. I've never had this happen. And the little indicator of the floor was L for lobby, 
but then like two, and then it went blank. So I looked at my phone. It was running out of batteries. And I said, what do I do? Don't panic. Do I hit the little red need help button? Then it lights up if help is on the way. Can I talk to someone on the speaker? Do I have service on my phone in the elevator? I did. So because I had just called them a few minutes earlier to see if I could check in before the normal check-in time, it was the most recent call on my list. I just touched the screen, called back up, hit the operator button, and spoke to the guy that had just checked me. And I said, hey, Guy Benson, I literally walked away from you 20 seconds ago. I think I'm stuck in this elevator. Because I was pushing the open door button. I was pushing the lobby button. I was pushing my floor button just to have anything change this weird limbo that I was in. And nothing was responding at all. So he said, oh, okay, um, we'll check it out. I said, okay. So I waited for a while, and I could hear, like, a little bit of tinkering. And then I called back, and he said, I've got security on it. Please stand by. So then the security guy was talking to me through the elevator. I thought we were still just almost exactly at lobby level. And he was sort of tugging at the door, and I could tell that the bottom half of the door was giving way, but the top half was stuck. So I was trying to push on the top half. It wasn't it wasn't moving. It wasn't budging at all. So he said, well, we've called the elevator company. They're going to send someone. I'm thinking, well, how long is that going to take? Like, I've got to get on the air. I never started to freak out, but I started going through a number of different contingency plans in my head. Like, okay, I've got my stuff with me, although not my computer and laptop bag. I left that in the studio. What do I have with me? Is there any way to charge anything in this elevator? No. I have 20% battery left on my phone. I have to be on the air soon. I have hockey tickets tonight. Like, what if I'm stuck for hours? Sometimes that's been known to happen. People get stuck for a long time. Like, when did I last go to the bathroom? Right? Like, all this stuff starts going through my head. And then you start to see what looked like a flashlight. And they had a few different people yanking on the thing. They said, they're on their way, but we're going to try to manually override the mechanism. They were trying. It kept getting stuck on the top half of the door, I'm like, can I do anything? They're like, no, probably not. Maybe step away from the door just in case. So I did. They said, well, the issue is you are not at the ground level. You're not at the lobby level, but you're also not at the second floor. You are in between the two floors. So I said, why don't you go up to the second floor and see if you can unlock or unstuck the door on the top half. One of you stay on the lobby level. The other one can go up because there were two guys working on it. And see if we can do it that way. So one of them went up there, and it wasn't quite working. So they said, we just have to wait for the professionals to arrive. I said, okay, when is that going to be? And I, I'm talking to them right through the door. They are right there. It's not like I'm suspended on the 36th floor or something, and no one can, t- like, they are right there. 
which was somewhat comforting but also almost extra frustrating. There was not a sense of concern. I could see because of the light that there were plenty of ways that fresh air and oxygen could make its way into the elevator. I, I wasn't worried about that. But it was also like you guys are right there. We're talking to each other from just inches apart. There's got to be an easy way to get me out of here. Can we just pry the damn thing open? Anyway, how long is it going to take for the pros to arrive? They said they're on their way. They're en route. So I then just went and just sat down, cross-legged in the corner of the elevator, and just started updating my to-do list with the very top issue being get out of this damn elevator. I was texting and calling Christine, who I'm sure was taking everything right in stride. No, no freak out at all. No panicking, because that's how she is, right? Cool as a cucumber, that cookie. But I had to keep her updated. And as we got closer and closer, I was like, ooh, is this going to affect the show? Do we have a backup plan? Do we have a guest host that might need to come in? Could I call in from the elevator as a guest on the show? How long will this phone last before it dies? All this stuff is going through my mind. So finally they said, oh, they're two blocks away. They're almost here. I was like, okay, that's good. Then they're arriving just, just a moment, Mr. Benson. Like, thank you for your patience. So sorry about this. They were very apologetic. I was like, no worries. I just need to get out of here. So the guy tries to work it from the lower floor, then realizes, nope, he's got to go up to the second floor. And you could hear him tinkering with different things and had various pieces of equipment. And then finally... He, like, manually was able to wrench the door mostly open. So, me being me, I'm sitting on the floor. I've got my phone. I go to take a picture because this is the first time I'm— I've never seen an elevator from that perspective not on one floor or the other. Like, having a little bit of daylight on one floor, then a little bit of daylight on the other floor, and then, like, the floor right in the middle, kind of almost at eye level. So I went to take a picture, and the guy from the— Elevator company was worried that I was, like, filming him to get him in trouble or something, which, of course, I wasn't. Like, I wasn't trying to get anyone in trouble. I just wanted out. This guy was coming to save me. So he closed the door on me. He goes, nope, if he's going to film me, you can get F FDNY in here. And I was like, I just stood there, and you could, I could tell he was, like, sort of flustered by me having my camera out and felt like, I was trying to do some sort of gotcha to him, which I was absolutely not. So someone from the hotel is like, Mr. Benson, would you mind just putting your phone away? I'm like, my phone's away. So they said I couldn't climb out of the lower hole, if you can picture this. right? Imagine being suspended between two floors. They didn't want me crawling out of the lower hole because they were worried that if something wrong happened, I could like sort of slip and fall under into the shaft. So they wanted me to climb up out of the upper hole, which was like, I don't know, maybe a foot and a half tall. So they had me pass my luggage through piece by piece first. And then I was trying to figure out where I could plant my foot on the mechanism or even on the floor to then boost myself out. And it was hard. So then they had, at this point, probably four or five people. So they grabbed my arms and just pulled me through. And I got... A fair amount of elevator grease all over my clothes, which is not ideal. I don't know if that's going to come out. But like that was the least of my concerns at that point. And the guy who had come to fix the situation and rescue me from the elevator 
was sweating. He'd been working hard to get this door open, and he apologized for overreacting. And then he recognized me. He's like, wait, hang on. I watch you all the time. I love you. <laughs> so he's a fan. He's a Fox fan. We shook hands. He was super nice. I think he was just disoriented, thinking like, you know, I was some person trying to get him in trouble, which of course was not the case. And I, I thanked him very much. The hotel people were extremely apologetic. They had a bottle of water for me, so that was nice. And I made it. I called Christine, free at last. I'm on my way. Let's go do the damn thing. So I'm no worse for the wear, except for looks like a couple garments might be uh, down for the count. I don't know if these jeans are going to make it, honestly. But I can get new jeans. I did not want to miss another show. You don't want to come back from an overseas vacation and your first show back you miss because you're stuck in an elevator. It almost happened, but I survived. Curious Christine has so many questions about this and about Jordan. We'll have to roll it all into like a bonus extended home stretch tomorrow for the Friday edition. I think we'll probably have to do that because we're out of time. I got to run. I might take the stairs. Back here tomorrow on The Guy Benson Show. We'll talk to you Home stretch on this Friday on The Guy Benson Show in New York City. Thank you very much for tuning in. Catch me tonight on Gutfeld, 11 p.m. Eastern. Then on the big show, Saturday and Sunday. That's at 5 p.m. Eastern. All of that on Fox News Channel. Here on the radio, our podcast free, including Bonus Benson on the weekends, GuyBensonShow.com, FoxNewsPodcast.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tonight, since we're here in New York, and the gang's all here, including Wyatt, we're in the same place at the same time. It's pretty rare in our little radio family, so we're going to have a night on the town. Going out to dinner, maybe a few drinks or more for certain people, and I'm looking forward to that. We're going the Chinese food route tonight. There's a place that I tried for the first time, sampled it a few weeks ago, delicious, and now the whole team will enjoy treating the Guy Benson Show team to dinner. I'm looking forward to it. Now, yesterday, I spoke at the beginning of the show about my trip to Jordan on the more serious geopolitical stuff that I saw and learned, the refugee camp, et cetera, and my home stretch topic that we were talking about, some of the lighter stuff from the trip, got shoved off to today because of my getting stuck in an elevator experience for almost an hour at the hotel when I was worried I was going to miss the show. Then they eventually pulled me out of, like, the hole, basically, to get out of there. I had a few people, by the way, tell me that I should not have done that because if the elevator had shifted while I was getting pulled out, it could have just severed a limb or my body. Except the elevator technician was there. And so he seemed to have things under control. I wanted to get out of there. Everything's fine. Although I will tell you, the elevators are still out, both of them now at the hotel. So there's a third elevator elsewhere that we're using. I've also been taking the stairs. It's just, just a thing. I'm not quite over it. However, all that being said, producer Christine has many questions about Jordan and my trip there. She's very curious. We don't have a ton of time. But we have to let her scratch the itch. And I've also gotten questions from listeners on social media, DMs, like, hey, what do you do there? Are you going to tell us about this? So here's the chance, Christine. You speak for the audience. You have a really important responsibility, a sacred one, you might even say, to ask the right questions 
So in the time that we have remaining, fire away. I saw a lot of pictures and I had questions. What was happening on your head in the desert? So that is the kafia, and it's the red and white color, which is the Arabic version. The black and white is the Palestinian version. They were offering to sell me that. I was not eager to purchase that one personally. But that's sort of a very typical Arab male headdress. My parents actually bought one for me, mini, when I was a kid because I was born in Saudi Arabia. So I have this little tiny baby version of it with the little black circle that holds it on top. I didn't get that particular piece. I just got the scarf, if you will, this time around. And number one, I think it's kind of a cool look. Number two, I was over there, right, in the Arabian desert of Jordan. I was a little bit worried about the potential allegation of cultural appropriation because this is what we are as a society now. So I was thinking about it, and I tried to explain to our guide, sort of our driver for that portion of the trip, why I was hesitant and trying to explain. He had good English, not perfect. The concept of cultural appropriation, he looked at me like I had seven heads. And then he eventually just said, it is cool, it is fun, get it, wear it. Like, like he just, it did not even occur to him that it would be offensive at all. I was like, yeah, you know what, screw it. It's a cool look. The guy who sold it to me literally tied it onto my head properly, and I wore it that way for a while. I also wore it as a scarf around my neck with a ball cap later on. I think it was a nice, appropriate accessory, and I was prepared. If anyone came at me for it, I would explain that I got permission from the people there to do it who thought the whole appropriation thing was crazy. Also, they wanted my money. And secondly, I was born over there. This is my lived experience. How dare you? How dare you question my lived experience and my personal heritage and my story, my journey, my truth? So I was ready with all of that. But it seems like people, for the most part, stayed away from that stupidity. Thank goodness. Now, while you were wearing that and you were in the desert, I did notice some pictures of some camels. Yes. Did you get on top of the camel? That's correct. Now... I've seen on The Real Housewives, they've gone overseas and into the desert, and these camels have bucked my poor housewives off, left and right. Did that happen to you? There was no bucking. Um, We rode camels for probably about half an hour in the desert, and then eventually we stopped and we had tea in this little fire in the middle of the desert, this vast, incredible desert. The area is called Wadi Rum. It's been the site of multiple film scenes, it feels like you're on a different planet. It feels like you are on Mars. And it's so red. Some of the photos really were just incredible. I got, and I put it on my Instagram, Guy P. Benson, this amazing photo, portrait mode, of a camel looking directly at me. This was one of the camels that we had ridden. And it almost looks like the camel is smiling. Like, posing for this photo, it's straight on. I got pretty close. I was a little nervous. It came out great, and it was cool. It was surreal, and it was just kind of like, you know what? We're here. It's an option. It's going to cost a little bit of money, but we're riding the damn camels. Let's go. Let's get it. Love that for you. Also, I noticed you were by the Dead Sea. I saw some pictures there. Now, did you take a dip in there and float? I did. It's impossible to not float. If you've ever been to the Dead Sea, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, it's hard to explain 
it is so salty, the salinity is so high that it is extremely difficult to not just have all of your limbs floating. Like you have to force yourself to like force your legs down if you want to stand up. It's that level of buoyancy. It's crazy. And then they've got all the mineral-rich mud. So I actually had a mud treatment on all of my skin. They covered me basically head to toe in Dead Sea mud, which was an experience. And then they wrapped me up in like this little sarcophagus. It was weird, but I guess it has all this good cleansing power or whatever. Had a great time. Someone was blasting Danza Kuduro at the beach. I was like all about it. It's a, it's a hot jam. How would I fit in over there? I mean, I would say about as well as you fit in most places, you know, which is, I mean, draw your own conclusions. By the way, I'd been to the Dead Sea before on the Israeli side. This was on the Jordanian side. So I took a very similar selfie to my Dead Sea photo from the Israel side from like six or seven years ago. And I'm going to post them back to back, I think, on Instagram. Coming attractions. I mean, those pictures. I mean, I... I love watching you because you just really live life to the false and you go anywhere and experience anything and try everything. Um, so I'm loving all of this. I feel like your favorite part of the trip, I think if you could have gotten over some of your fears and concerns about Petra and Wadi Rum and the Dead Sea, not that these are scary places, but just, you know, you being you, a little bit more reserved and not as open to super adventurous stuff abroad, I think you would have enjoyed the end of the trip in Amman. We got a ridiculous rate at the Ritz-Carlton in Amman, which is brand new. It's like two years old. It is stunning. Well, now you're talking. Our rate was like 150 bucks a night. It was one of the nicest hotels I've ever stayed in. Our suite was unbelievable. And they have a cocktail bar, Christine, that was exquisite. And the bartender, Mustafa, yes, we became friends with him. At one point, I asked for a cocktail he'd never heard of. So I explained what it was, and he looked it up, and he decided to try it on us. So he made this cocktail and delivered it, and it was good, not great. The balance of certain ingredients was slightly off. He said, how is it? And I said, it's good. I was being played. He said, tell me the truth. I want you to tell me for real if it's good. And I said, it needs more of this, less of that. To be honest, this is good, but it could be great. On our very last night, we're getting ready for our flights. We go to our last dinner elsewhere in the hotel. He found out where we were eating, and he sent a handwritten note and two of these cocktails made perfectly. Talk about hospitality and talk about something that might appeal to one cookie, Christine. Unbelievable. I wonder how his Cosmos are. I bet you they're very good. Maybe you can go visit Mustafa. With you? You know what? I, it's, I feel like I've got another country next on my list, but maybe you and Bobby could go over there. All right. We'll work on it. And one last thing before we go, and we can recap this on Monday. I find it very telling that you picked a restaurant for us tonight that has no bar. That is true, but it does have alcohol. Oh, it does? Yes. Mm. I think it's mostly just beer and wine. I'm sorry. So you'll have to get your cocktail on beforehand, which I think you are. Yes, I am. Right, because our reservation's like an hour from now, and you're dragging Wyatt to babysit you for Cosmos first, if I'm not yet. Wyatt is, Wyatt is nodding his head. I think I see a tear actually rolling down his cheek. He's very excited. Tears of joy. I'm sure that's what that is. Yes, he looks like he looks like a hostage right now. Wyatt, blink if you need help. Well, that'll be fun tonight. Looking forward to our feast. We'll talk all about it on Monday. Have a great weekend. It's the Guy Benson Show. That was this week's edition of Bonus Benson. For more Guy Benson Show, go to GuyBensonShow.com or wherever you get your podcasts.
From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.